I'm Aryeh Cohen, and this is Duff Shui. Weekly Duff. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a Duff or so. 29 years ago, February 25th, 1994, an Israeli terrorist, born in America, trained as a doctor, massacred 29 people in the Ibrahimi Mosque in Hebron. It was on Purim on the Jewish calendar, and he was fulfilling a hate fantasy about Oman and Amalek. This day will live forever in infamy and should be a day of contrition. I will not mention the killer's name, but I will read now the names of his victims. We're all praying in the mosque. Raid Abdul Mutalib Hassan Anacha, 20 years old. Allah Badir Abdul Halim Tahad Abu Snene, 17 years old. Marwan Mutlak Hamid Abu Nijma, 32 years old. Thiab Abdul Latif Hirbawi Al Karaki, 24 years old. Khalid Khalawa Abu Hussein Abu Snene, 58 years old. Nuridin Ibrahim Abdul Muhtasib, 22 years old. Muhammad Kifah Abdulaziz Zakaria Maraka, 11 years old. Mahmoud Sadiq Muhammad Abu Zanune, 49 years old. Sabir Musa Husni Katbe Bedir, 37 years old. Nimir Muhammad Nimir Mujahid, 34 years old. Kamal Jamal Abdul Ghani Kufisha, 13 years old. Arafat Musa Yusuf Burkan, 28 years old. Raji Izin Abdul Halik Gith, 47 years old. Walid Zuhair Mahfuth Abu Hamdiya, 13 years old. Sufyan Barakat Uf Zahdeh, 21 years old. Jamil Aid Abdul Fatah Anache, 48 years old. Abdul Haq Ibrahim Abdul Haq Al Jabari, 55 years old. Salman Awad Ilyan Al Jabari, 37 years old. Tariq Adnan Mahmoud Ashur Abu Snene, 14 years old. Abdurrahim Abdurrahman Salame, 48 years old. Jabir Arif Abu Hadid Abu Snene, 11 years old. Hatim Hadir Nimir Al Fakhuri, 26 years old. Salim Idris Falah Idris, 27 years old. Rami Arafat Ali Arat Arajabi, 11 years old. Khalid Muhammad Hamza Abdul Rahman Al Karaki, 18 years old. Wail Sala Yaqub Al Muhtasib, 28 years old. Zidan Hamude Abdul Majid Hamid, 26 years old. Ahmad Abdallah Abdallah Muhammad Taha Abu Snena, 25 years old. Talal Muhammad Dawood Muhammad Dandiz, 26 years old. Atiya Muhammad Atiya Salame, 33 years old. Ismail Faiz Ismail Kufeshi, 28 years old. Nadir Salam Salih Zadeh, 19 years old. Ayman Ayub Muhammad Al Kawasmi, 21 years old. Arafat Mahmoud Ahmed Al Bayid, 28 years old. 29 people were killed in the mosque. More were killed running out of the mosque by the Israeli army 
who were confused and thought, of course, it was a Muslim gunman. May their souls be bound up in eternal life. So here we are in Los Angeles, getting our arcs ready and lining up two by two and wondering, hey, maybe somebody should look at this whole global climate changey thing. But anyway, here at Daf Shui in our comfy little Beit Midrash in the closet, we try to bring you the highest quality Daf Shui programming available on this site. We so appreciate your being here with us, pulling up a chair to our imaginary table and joining in the centuries-old process of asking the question, what were the rabbis thinking? So now we are asking for you, if you are able, to be partners in this venture by going to our Patreon page, which is linked on the podcast page, and becoming card-carrying members of the Beit Midrash, cards not included. Remember, we are not one of those corporate dafshui outfits. We're more of a rickety storefront shtibel dafshui. Thank you so much. Who's daf? Arda! Who's daf? Arda! Who's daf? Arda! Okay, we are on Kuf Aleph Amud Bet 101b. On the bottom of the page in the layout that was made popular by the widow and brothers Ram. I was just thinking about the widow and brothers Ram as a whole. There is some scholarship on her now. She was an amazing businesswoman. I think I mentioned this before. And she created the model, which actually Art Scroll picked up in sense of getting people in different parts of the world to subscribe to the Vilna Shas, what's called the, to the Ram Shas, and having them advertise in it or support it so that before it was even published, it was paid for. Anyway, we're starting at Tanan Hatam, which is the third line from the bottom. Tanan Hatam. Hamotzei met mushkav kidarko notlo ve'et tfusato. Shnaim notlan ve'et tfusatan. So this is a brings so to remember the recall the context. Um, the Mishnah was there is a dispute between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbanan about how large if you buy a field or sell a field to be a ma'arat kfura, a an array of graves, a burial array, burial cave. So according to Rabbanan, it has to be four by six amot. According to Rabbi Shimon has to be six by eight. And then last time we did the whole math, how do you do that? How do you figure it out? How do you get all those people in? What happens if you have a Marat Kfura? Of course, well, a Marat Kfura then has a, uh, a a burial cave that has a courtyard in the front, which is six amot by six amot, and then another courtyard. And what happens if you have four? And then how do you get the two perpendicular burial graves, burial caves, so that the graves are not hitting each other? And all that kind of thing. So now that's the context of this, which is kind of an interesting context. And this Mishnah is from Ohalot, and it's also mentioned in Nazir. Ohalot, I would imagine that Ohalot is the original place of the Mishnah. Ohalot talks about all kinds of impurity, and that's what uh, this Mishnah is more or less talking about. In Nazir, there was there seems to have been a verbal, a a connection, a verbal, a conceptual, terminolo- terminological conne- connection at the end of the Mishnah with the Raglayim Ladavar. It's a Raglayim Ladavar Mishnah. We haven't gotten to there yet. So, Hamotse met, and so if somebody finds a dead body lying in the way of dead bodies, and you want to transfer it, so if you find it in a field, you can take it and Tfusato. So here's an interesting variant on this. It's either Tfusato with a fe or Tfusato. So Tfusato is that which it has been tofes, that which it 
acquired. In other words, the, the dirt that's underneath the body where the body is lying. Tvusato means more or less the same thing, but it comes from a different word. The Rambam has that and various of the manuscripts, both the Mishnah manuscripts and some of the Talmud manuscripts have Tvusato, which comes from the word Boses, and that's found, if you remember, in the Haggadah, in Ezekiel, mitboseset bidamayach, rolling around in the blood. So tevusato is the uh, the blood and gore that's rolling around in underneath the body. The Gemara in Nazir talks about the derivation from tefusa, that which is acquired, uh, and it comes from, and they say there that it comes from a midrash on the verse when Jacob leaves Egypt in a satanim in Mitzrayim, and he tells his children, you shall take me up from Egypt. There's no reason for Yaakov to say Mitzrayim, right, take me up from Egypt, because he was in Egypt, obviously. And therefore, the midrash uses that to teach that Yaakov said, take the earth of Egypt also. That you have to, so that because the, the, the blood is still, say, whatever is left in the earth is still part of the body and must be buried wherever the body is buried. Comes to mind is every time you see some kind of a terrorist attack in Israel, the Zaka people, um, the people who are come out from the rabbinate from, or the army rabbinate, and they sweep up all the remains of the body so that the whole body can be buried with a certain amount of integrity bodily integrity. So that's what Tfusato. So if you want to transfer the body from this, from the place that you found it, right, and we'll get to that, understanding more of that, uh, then you have to pick it up with its, with all the blood that went into the earth. Shnaim or Matzashnaim, Notlan Vet Tfusatan. If you found two bodies, somebody found two bodies, you have to take them and the dirt underneath it. If one found three bodies, and there is in between them between four and eight amot, then it is considered a shchunat kvarot. In other words, it is considered a burial place, and therefore you cannot move it. Right, because if it's a burial ground, if it's a graveyard, you can't move it. It has to, and it becomes, it's all, the whole thing is impure. Ubodek mimenu lahalan esrim ama. And then you have to check from there and further, 20 amot, right? You have a body, you have three bodies. Then you have to continue checking after the third body, 20 amot, to see if there is another body. Matza echad besof esrim ama. If they found another body, or they found one, or that's either echad or acher, an other, at least one of the manuscripts. If they found another body at the end of 20 amot, or with up till 20 amot, and besof is that they're at the end of 20 amot, but there is also a uh, one of the manuscripts of our Gemara says it's betoch 20 amot, so within 20 amot. So is it at 20 amot or within 20 amot? Bodek mi menu ulahalan chaf amas, and then you have to check Another 20 amot, shiraglayim ledavar, because then air is an assumption. She'ilu mitchila mitzao notlova et fusato. There is an assumption that this is a shkunat kvara, there's a graveyard, um, that if you had found it originally, each body had just been found by itself, then you would have taken it and its dirt and moved it. 
But now that you you found three bodies, then you went twenty emotes and found another three, found another body, and then twenty emotes another body. So now it is no longer an individual body, but it's a body part of an array of bodies. So therefore, it's party, which something that used to be Marat Kura used to be a burial cave in somewhere, some way or another. The Mishnah versions in Ahalot, where the Mishnah is probably originally from, and in Azir was placed are different than the Mishnah here in Baba Batra. None of the variants are substantively significant, though some are interesting. Um, we mentioned already the Tfusa versus Tifusa. The Rambam argues for Tivusa, as we as we and as we mentioned, because of like mitboseset, bedamayach, rolling around or saturated, something to that effect. Well others go with Tifusa based on the Gemara's discussion. Um, some of the manuscripts have Hamotse Met Kitchila in the first line, one who finds a dead body at the beginning. So the addition of that in the Mishnah manuscript implies perhaps that it was found as a lone body, though that's not clear. The Rajbam says the implication is that no one knew that there was a body here, or that it was perhaps known that there was one body, but not three. So the question then becomes, one of the questions is, what does this mean, Hamotse Met? Is it a body that's just strewn on the side of the road or not? Uh, if it's just strewn on the side of the road, could it be a met mitzvah? So it's probably, that's why there is a, 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 a an effort to characterize the body as being buried in some way. Um, the Me'iri connects this Mishnah to the first Mishnah in Shkalim, but not to the Beit Kfarot part there, but to the fixing the roads part there. So let's take a look at the Mishnah in Shkalim for a minute. Be'chad be'adar, which was this week, the first of Adar, Mashmim al-Shkalim v'al-Kilayim, make the announcement about Shkalim, they have to pay a shekel to the to the temple. Be'chamisha sarbo korin et ha-Megillah b'krachin, on the 15th of Adar, you read the Megillah, which we'll be doing in about a week and a half, and you fix the paths and the streets and the mikvaot, right? The ritual baths and and uh, the paths there, the drachim, the ways are the ways so that people can easily get to the cities of refuge, where a an accidental killer runs to get away from the blood avenger. A whole other thing, which we've mentioned before, but we're not going to go into it right now. The Osin Kolt Rabim, and they do all kinds of public services that are needed. They fix the infrastructure. And they they mark the gravestones. And they go out even for the Kilayim. In other words, they warn about Kilayim, these mixed species. They warn against mixed species. Another prohibition, which I'm not going to go into, and it's also a biblical prohibition. The Me'iri there explains Mitzanin et farot that they mark the graves uh, in order la taharot, in order to so that people who are carrying pure things up to the temple for Passover should not accidentally walk over them. And that the reason for this is because, the Me'iri says, that during the rainy season the signs were wiped out, and now they have to go back and put up the signage again, because the signage was in some kind of paint, which is water-soluble. Uh, also, the drachim, he says, uh, that the ways to the ir meklach, if, the, if there's a fork in the path and somebody's running away, you want to clearly have signs telling them this way to the ir meklach, not that way, because that way you're going to get lost, and then the guy will find you and kill you. So 
the Meiri connects this Mishnah to the Mitaknimit Adrachim, to the fixing the roads. So part of fixing the roads is that perhaps you find a dead body. Right? The Meiri says that if you find three dead bodies, if they are in the correct spread or distance from each other, and they are laid as they should be, right? in other words, that, that is Kidarko, right? as they should be, that is that their feet are straight and their hands are on their heart, which is how Jews are brought to burial, then we suspect that it is a Shunat Kvarot, a burial cave. And the, I, the, the image you should have in your mind is a burial cave that kind of collapsed, and so therefore it's not obvious that you look, that it is a burial cave, it just looks like a field, and they cannot be transferred um, because it is a burial cave. However, if, however, they are buried close to each other or in a way that implies that it was in a Kvarad Yisrael, the way that Jews are buried, then they can be moved with their dirt. Also, they were probably buried there temporarily and therefore did not, and this is interesting, did not acquire their place. Right? right? So they're acquiring their place by being buried appropriately. And if they weren't buried appropriately, then their place was not acquired. Now, it's interesting, Nazir, so Ahalot is where the Mishnah originally was, um, but there's no Bavli on Ahalot. There is a Bavli on, there's a Gemara on Nazir, where this Mishnah secondarily appears, and there the Gemara goes through the Mishnah and actually explains it in a way that it doesn't explain it here, as we'll see in a minute. Amar of Yehuda, Matzah, so when it says, Matzah meit Mushkav Kedarko, so Matzah found, Prat Lamatsui as opposed to a a body which we knew was there. So in other words, it has to be a body which was, you just stumbled over it, right? The guys who were fixing the roads, perhaps, or the guys who walked along just found the body. They were just digging there, and they found the body. Met, prat le harug. So a dead body as opposed to someone who was killed, because that gets you into a whole other scenario of the egla arufa, the calf that has to be killed by being by having its neck broken for, in a case where one finds a dead body and just does not know who a, who murdered the person. So here must be somebody who died of natural causes. Mushkav pratiyoshev. So it has to be somebody who is a body that is lying out as opposed to a body that is seated. Kidarko pratlerosho munach ben yarkotav. And it says, Kidarko mushkav kidarko. That is as opposed to somebody, to a body in which the head is between its, its feet. So it's bent over, right? That's not the way Jewish bodies are buried. All those things were not the way the Jewish bodies. It's, it's obvious that either it's not a Jewish, it's not a Jew, or it was just if it was Jewish, then it was just left there temporarily, and then you're going to go back. So then they can be and then can be moved. Tzni ula bar chanina ein lo So ula bar chanina said that a a dead body, a corpse that has that's missing any one of these things that we just mentioned, does not have does not you don't have to when you transfer you don't need to take the dirt with it and it is not considered part of a graveyard. And why was all of these things said? Because perhaps it was the body of an idolater, right? The body of an idolater doesn't is not impure. You don't have to worry about it, apparently. So our sugya, as opposed to the Gemara Nazir, is only interested in the way this plays out in the dispute between Rib Shimon and Rabbanan. Right? So it's fascinating that our Gemara now just says Amar Mar, back to our Gemara. Arba It just gets that one thing, right? And there's this, all this stuff about 
Finding dead bodies in the middle of nowhere. How do they look? Where do they go? What's a da da da? How do you figure out if it's a Marakpura or not? And they're just interested in the one line, Me'arba Achmona, that if there is between four and eight Amot, between the bodies, then it is considered a burial ground. Me'arba Achmona. So, Mani, who does this go according to in the Rabbanan Rab Shimon? I Rabbanan, if we said that this accords with Rabbanan, Ha'amri Daladamot Adshesh. So the rabbis said that the Marat Kfura, the burial cave, has to be four Amot by six. So what's the eight there? I Reb Shimon Ha'amar Sheshashmona. If it's Reb Shimon, he said, so it's six by eight. So what's the four doing there? Lolam Reb Shimon he. So no, it is actually, this Mishnah actually does accord with Rav Shimon. V'hai Tana hu And because we have this other Tana, who in a Brita says, Mitza'an Ritzufin, if you find the bodies one after the other. Ve'ein be'nehem midalet amot adchet. And there is not in between the bodies four amot to eight amot. Yeshlen tfusa ve'ein lehen shunat They have, they acquire the ground that they were on. In other words, they... The, you have to, when you transfer them, you have to transfer them with the dirt underneath them, and they are not considered a shunat kvarot, a, a, a graveyard. But Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Shimon, our Rabbi Shimon, apparently, So he says that if that we calculate the middle bodies as if they are not, and then we just take the distance between two. So if you have three or four bodies and they're they're very close to each other, you don't have four to eight amot in between them. Um, so what you do is you ignore the middle bodies and take the two end bodies and see if there's four to eight amot between them. And then you see if that is, if that's four to eight. So then uh, they have, they are part of a shunat kvarot. They are part of a graveyard. So if it's four amot to eight, why? How do how do you establish it, Kriv Shimon? So the end of the Mishnah says that you you then check twenty another twenty amot further on. So Mani, who's that according to? If that's according to Rib Shimon, it should have been twenty two. What do you mean twenty amot? If you have a burial grave or burial cave, as we said. So you have eight amot, and then you have you have eight amot inside the mara, right? Six by eight. So you have eight deep, and then you have the six amot of the chatzer, the courtyard in front of the mara, and then eight amot of the other cave across from it. So that's 22 amot, right? And if it's the rabbis, then you have, they say it's four by six, so it's six deep. So you have the six amot of the cave, the six amot of the courtyard, and the six amot of the other cave, so that's 18, right? So where do we get with 20 amot? Why do you check 20 amot? Lolam Rabbanani. So actually, we're actually going according to the sages, to Rabbanan, to the anonymous opinion in the Mishnah. And we're talking about that they checked for, for buried bodies on an angle, not straight, but on an angle. So that's why you get 22. Last time we talked a little bit about the Euclidean triangle. We won't go back into that. And since that is checked on an angle, this one is also checked on an angle. 
and therefore it's 22. So in other words, that it could also be Rib Shimon who says 22. So we say one, we will check, there's one angled, and the second one we don't check on an, we don't check all the way across on an angle. Rav Shisha of Edi, Amar Olam Rav Shimon. So actually, Rav Shisha of Edi says, no, you know what? This is actually going according to Rav Shimon, who says eight by six. And how do you end up just with 20? Because we're talking about miscarriages. And therefore, they are all talking about miscarriages. So small babies, therefore, they need small less room. And we talked about that a little bit last time. Uh, and the fact that in the corners of the Mara, in order the way that you get everything to fit, they have leave-over graves for miscarried or or infants that died, Nifli. Um, and there was a very high rate of infant mortality. This week's podcast is brought to you by Chunky Water. In the mad rush of preparation for your perm parties, let me take one decision off your plate. This year, get Chunky Water. Aren't you tired of the binary choice, still or sparkling water? Can you believe we're still there in the 21st century? Well, binary choice no longer. Now you can say, I'll have chunky water, please. With our maybe, possibly, could be patented process, we lower the temperature of water to well below 32 degrees in a special machine called a freezer. We then carefully cut the water into chunks, and then voila! We are able to give you perfectly chunky water every time. And, because I know you're already starting to get nervous, it's kosher for Pesach. So next time someone asks, say, chunky water, please. So we say 18. Why? One, you have uh, one burial cave is for miscarried or infant fetuses. But both, but you don't say that both are for miscarried fetuses, miscarried or, or infants. But then we have a, uh, this, this text contradicts another text both on the Rabbanan side and on the Rabbi Shimon side. Why? Titania, because it says now here there's different, this is a, they're quoting a Mishnah. So one would expect Tanan or Hatanan. And so we do have in some of the manuscripts and Vatican and Hamburg manuscripts, you have a Hatanan or a Ditznan, but you do have some manuscripts that do have it as Titania, uh, which is interesting. It's our second Tanaitic text in this sugya, which is well, here it's introduced in a sort of ambiguous way. Either it's not a Tanya. The other one was a, everyone agrees that it's not a Mishnah. But the text itself is different from the text as it's quoted in the Mishnah. And all those and those here. Interesting for the history of the text questions. Karam hanatua al pachot me'arba amot. So if you have a vineyard that is planted on less than four amot. Rabbi Shimon Omer, a no karam. So Rabbi Shimon said that's not considered a karam. Chachamim Omerim, harezek karam. And the sages say that it is considered a karam. So in other words, the the question is, if you have a karam, if you have a vineyard, you're not allowed to plant other things that are not grapes near the, the vineyard or else it becomes kilayim. As we mentioned before, it becomes mixed species. So there is a biblical prohibition against it. And you see, you you check the middle rows as if they are not existent. Kasha, 
So the Gemara is now going to say that this is a question. This challenges the Rabbanan's position here. Chamim's position here challenges Chamim's position above, and Rav Shimon's position here challenges Rav Shimon's position above. Kasha de Rabbanan ad Rabbanan, Kasha de Rabbanan ad Rabbanan, Kasha Rav Shimon ad Rav Shimon. There is a challenge from Rabbanan's position to Rabbanan's position, and a challenge from Rav Shimon's position to Rav Shimon's position. Rav Shimon ad Rav Shimon la Kasha. So the challenge. The problem, the contradiction between Reb Shimon and Reb Shimon is not actually a problem. Hatam lanati inshi adata leaker. So the reason that Rabbi Shimon does not say there that you discount the middle row in the vine, while he does say here that you discount the middle row, the middle bodies, is because a person is not does not have the intent of planting in order for it to be ripped up. But here, we're talking with a body. We're talking about a case where it happens that a person dies, or you're carrying a body in in the betwixt time, uh, just before Shabbos, and then you have to put it down, and you're thinking of coming back later, and you know things happen and you forget. So therefore, you have bodies next to each other. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon says, in that case, you do discount the bodies in between the other bodies. The rabbis also are not contradicting themselves. Here, in the case of uh, the body, since it is, uh, since it has been made disgusting or since it has been dishonored in the way it was buried, so it's not considered buried. So therefore, it's not considered buried, so therefore, we don't count it. There we say, this one, the one of the rows that are good are good, and the rows that aren't good will become firewood. So therefore, we don't have to worry about them. Um, so the Rashmi Shans, talking about the Gemara there of Karam Hanatua, the Rabshim Shans, who's one of the Tosafists who writes a commentary on Mishnah on those parts of Mishnah which don't have a Babylonian Talmud, says that unless, uh, uh, if you're planting on less than four amot, that means that there's not between each row of the vineyard four amot, it's not considered a vineyard, and it is possible to plant within four amot of it, and you don't have to make distance other seeds uh, more than from it more than four amot. Um, rather, it is just like a singular vine that you need six tfachim. So it's not the same thing. So it's not four amot because it's, uh, it's planted on less than four amot. And then the Rambam in his commentary on that Mishnah says that when there are two lines, two, two lines of vines, uh, less than four amot apart, they will push up against each other and they will actually cause each other's loss. Right? In other words, if you have, they, they don't get enough sunlight or they don't get enough water. And Rib Shimon said that somebody would not, does not plant with the intention of having it be uprooted and it's not considered a vine, but it is like a singular vine. It's not considered like a vineyard, but like rather a singular vine. Okay, so there we go. The end of the parak. We finished. Tamocher Perot. Hadran Alach Hamocher Perot. We will return to you, Hamocher Perot. I'm sure we will. All this stuff is fascinating. 
And we're just going to start the first Mishnah in the next chapter, the seventh chapter of Baba Vatra. So here we go. HaOmer Lechabiro. So we're continuing in the same notion of, in the same idea of somebody selling something to somebody else, right? And what happens in that negotiation around what is being sold? If somebody says to his fellow, I am selling you the amount of land or afar, the amount of dirt that is enough for a bait kur, enough to plant a bait kur. If there were if there were pits in the land that were ten tfachim deep, oslaim gvohim asrat tfachim, or stones that were ten tfachim high, einam nim dadim, einan nim dadim ima, pachot mikan nim dadim ima. They are not measured along with the field, but less than that, they are measured along with the field. This is fascinating because this is exactly the measurements of a reshut hayachid, an individual domain for the laws of Shabbat. 10 down or 10 up. But if he doesn't say, I'm selling you the amount of land that would take exactly to plant a beit kur, but rather approximately, even if there were pits in the land that were deeper than 10 tvachim, or there were stones that were higher, boulders that were taller than 10 tvachim, still they're all counted together. So the question seems to be, what is considered part of the field? Um, and is, if you have, uh, is it only because if you have these um, pits or stones, then that you can't plant, right? It's hard to work the field around them. Or is it because pits and stones up and down makes it into some kind of a different domain, not a public domain, but uh, some kind of a different domain, which reinforces the notion that an individual domain has to do with access. And if you're selling access, so if you have these pits or these boulders, then it's hard to access it. Maybe it's a different thing. We will go into that next week. And we'll stop here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Beit Midrash in the Closet. Thanks, as always, to my producer, Elliot Undersargan. Please check out his podcast, Four Cubits, with his podcast partner, Jeff Helmreich. Thank you so much to my wonderful Chavruta, Charlotte Van Robert, and to the communications team here at Daf Shui, Shachar Cohen Hodos, who made that wonderful, beautiful logo. I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. And you can always reach out to me at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. Thank you so much.